吸収しようぜオッケー滋賀と三四郎通れよフィーオーダー滋賀と三四郎セガサタンシュン Welcome to Sega Saturn Shiro, the only podcast that'll give you a rolling star! I'm Patrick. I'm Dave. I'm Kay. So, tonight's episode, we're going to talk about, as you probably heard before, racing games. And are you guys excited? Oh, yeah. This one's been a long time coming. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we might have tried to do this maybe three or four times before. Yeah. This maybe. This maybe. But、yeah. now we're here. We're going to get you some racing game discussions, give you some recommendations. All right, so、uh, before we get into the racing games, why don't we talk a little bit about what we've been up to? Did you want to start, Dave? Um, not much since the last podcast. Just did like a collection video update、uh, for a couple of the groups.、Um, I've been working way too much, like real work, nine to five.、Uh, and then my kid is playing T ball now. So just, you know, life stuff. But、uh, I'm excited to be back with you guys doing another podcast. That's awesome, man. I'm glad your kid's getting out there and playing the T ball. Next、yeah. thing you know, you'll, he'll be the、uh, next Yogi b e r r a Yeah, he's been playing too much Sega Saturn with <laughs> his dad. <laughs> so、uh, it'd be good for him to get some running in. <laughs> All right. What about you, Kay? What have you been up to? A lot of Zelda. I, I know like, our, our fan base or you know, our listeners are, are going to sit there and just go, What? But、um, I've been spending a lot of time with my daughter, and、uh, we've been. Playing through Breath of the Wild.、Um, and we also did like a no sword run on the original Legend of Zelda.、Um, wow. Today, my, my daughter actually,、um, she's five. She like turned five a week ago or so. She、uh, actually beat the first two、uh, shrines in Breath of the Wild on her own. Like, no help from me at all. Wow.、Oh, wow. Your、yeah. daughter's better than me at gaming. And there's the hope. Yeah. So. But that's, that's really just about it.、Um, nothing else I want to start disclosing yet because I don't want to jinx it. I gotcha. I've been、oh, up to a little bit. I've got a new Saturn. I got oh, a, that's、uh, right. Yeah, I got the,、uh, the white、uh, Japanese version Saturn with a nice little controller and、uh, all the little connections with it. And it's really cool. I was playing with it a little bit and I love the,、uh, I love the opening jingle to that one. I think it's probably one of the best compared to the US jingles. I mean, what do you,、uh, what do you guys think? I, I like it, but、um, I'm, as far as like BIOS intros are concerned, hands down the best one for Saturn. High Saturn. The high Saturn. Yeah, it's just no comparison. I gotcha. I would definitely like to get a high Saturn, but I had to compromise with a white Saturn because I didn't have the, the money to drop on a high Saturn. How's that screen coming, Kay? Did you manage to. The thing I don't、that. want to jinx. The thing you don't want to jinx, okay. Yeah. That'll be、uh, next podcast. We'll discuss that. Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see. Hopefully.、Um, the stars align. Right. What else you got going on, Pat? But <laughs> besides that,、um, I ordered the、uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga on vinyl. 
So I'm kind of excited to get that. I, uh, for those of you that don't know, I collect a lot of records. So I've been uh, trying to get more of them, especially on the video game soundtrack space. But it's been uh, it's been pretty difficult, especially some of the uh, the ones that are super rare. But mm-hmm. I think my collection's coming out pretty nicely. You t- the new Resurrection album? You ordered that? Yeah, I uh, put in a pre-order. There's a there's about thirty five bucks, but uh, I think it was really worth it, and I'm kind of uh, excited. Usually, I don't like to sort of rearrange soundtracks, but since the original composer's on board, it's like a no-brainer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. So, um, why don't we uh, when we go into some of the news section? For sure. Now that you know what's new with us, let's uh, talk about what's new with the Saturn. So the uh, the first thing that, um, I, I don't know if it's ready for announcement yet, but uh, Dave and I were uh, privy to some information about uh, Netlink compatibility for Sega Touring Car. Some big things happened, I think literally today, right Dave? Yeah, we got some news from Zaiden over on the Dreamcast Talk forums. Did you want to detail what we found out? No, I'm, I'll let you do that, man. That's uh, some pretty awesome, awesome stuff. But it's for a game that, like, I didn't even know was Netlink compatible in any way, shape, or form. This, this is kind of your baby. Um, Sega Touring Car Championship. It's one of my guilty pleasures, um, and I only say guilty because um, it's kind of a maligned game by some. You know, it's a punishing difficulty, and um, it wasn't uh, developed by the AM2 or AM3 team. It was like the AM Annex. So you know. Um, it's a love or hate for some, but it's been a love of mine for, you know, several years, uh, used to play it as a teenager. And, um, so just by my proximity to the game and knowing a lot about it, I knew that it had Netlink compatibility, even though it's not listed on Wikipedia or Sega Retro or Satakore or any of the other sites that list Netlink compatibility. They don't speak to the fact that, Sega Touring Car has compatibility with the Netlink. Now, it doesn't have direct dial, you know, you, you can't dial up another person and play them head-to-head, but what you can do is you can um, submit high scores to a worldwide leaderboard. Um, so that was always really cool, and the fact that it uses the system clock to know where you are in the world. And, and then back in the day, of course, you could go onto the website and you could look at the scores but you could actually submit the scores from your Saturn just with the dial-up modem. So Zaiden over at the Dreamcast Talk Forums has actually figured out how to get that functionality back online and also get Saturn sending emails, sending and receiving emails, uh, which is going to be real cool too. So, And um, you can do that with a... Uh, well, you do the email functionality um, with a DreamPie, correct? Okay. Yeah. Um, from what I remember reading, for this specific game, you'll need a DreamPie to be able to um, send that email off. Uh, and in, the scores are now able to be sent off. But also, the thing that I saw, um, and Dave, please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it sounds like we can actually go back to using the Netlink to send uh, you know, each other, you know, us who use Netlinks, uh, save data. Correct. That was, wow. <laughs> 
Like, yeah. That's news to me. Right? That's we're going to be able to. So people order your dream pies. Um, they're they're self contained. There's no setup involved. You can order a dream pie uh, to use with your Netlink modem, and it sounds like uh, we're gonna yeah we're gonna be able to send e- send and receive emails uh, between Saturns, which means yes you're gonna be able to send and receive save data um, among who knows what else what other kind of potential this holds. Um, we're talking to Zayden and and we're trying to you know explore the possibilities, but it sounds it sounds real cool. I'm already loading up my chain letters to spam to all my friends on my friends list. It's going to be a sweet, uh, sweet proposition. Yeah. So, any kind of internet browsing, emailing, that kind of thing, you're going to be doing with the Dream Pie, and then of course, online matchups are still going to be done with the VoIP adapter. Um, so then, potentially, you will be needing uh, two different adapters, then, right? For now. Joe, or Sega RPG fan, he did mention that um, if somebody comes along who has some coding skill and is uh, interested in writing like a Linux-based Pi program for um, making that possible, um, then, you know, maybe we won't need the VoIP adapter in the future and maybe latency will be even better. Who knows, you know? Um, But as it is right now, the VoIP adapter is the best thing we have. It It sounds to me, though, like things, you know, in this community move pretty fast and um, that's one of the reasons why this podcast is taking this so seriously. I mean, I know it sounds kind of like a niche thing maybe, but if we help get the news out there, maybe this message will reach a talented coder out there who's interested in, you know, bringing their efforts to the community and, and making this happen. So, Jeez, at the rate of all these Saturn uh, hacks and mods are coming along, I think we're going to know the system more than the original designers will at one point. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the scene is actually getting more in touch with like the the inner workings of the Saturn. And of course, like James Laird Wall, his discoveries, his findings have really helped the emulation scene get better. And he's fed them a lot of information um, as we come to find out more and more of like how the just the inner workings of the Saturn and the architecture. Um, I can't imagine there's a, too many people out there that want to read through all of that documentation because there is a lot of documentation I have posted up in PDFs on the uh, on the Sega Saturn archive. And even I don't want to read all of it. It's like huge, thick manuals. But um there are people out there that like doing that kind of thing, so I always stand in awe of, of those kind of people, especially like Zayden. Man, the next the next step we have is uh, getting CDs manufactured with that wobble in it that are burnable. Most of this stuff happened for Dreamcast first, just because it was so much more open and like easy. But with the Saturn, it's kind of like we've had to go back after the fact and... and maybe the increased effort is just because it's becoming more of a mainstream awareness kind of thing. Um, people are becoming more aware of the Saturn, just like you didn't know that it existed at some point, And then um, you started discovering it as it becomes discovered and more mainstream. Um, hopefully the talent will come, you know, and people will start putting their effort into this console. I agree completely. I think this is going to be a, it's an interesting time to live in for the Saturn, and I'm very happy to be in this day and age because it's just getting better and better. And speaking of getting better, so are we. The Shiro team is growing and getting better, and we have news for you guys. 
So over the recent couple months, we noticed that it's been getting harder and harder to get regular content out to you guys. As we're only three guys and two of us have children, it's been very difficult sometimes to get regular content, especially with some of the delays we've been having in the recent times. So we decided to uh, bring on a couple new members, our first new member being Peter Malik, who's been really renowned in the community with a lot of the content he puts out there on the various groups on Facebook and his uh, a lot of his writing. Unfortunately, could not be here today. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about him, uh, Dave. Yeah, well, like we said in um, briefly in the last uh, cast, you know, Peter's just a great guy. He's very active on the Saturn groups on Facebook. Uh, I know he's an avid Knights into Dreams fan. Um, he actually holds the highest record. He uh, he knows that game inside and out. But it turns out he also knows quite a bit about a lot of other uh, Saturn games, Saturn hardware. He's got an amazing collection. Uh, super nice uh, gentleman and lives up in Canada, so he'll be a Canadian correspondent, brother from the north. And, uh, you know, it'll be fun. You know, he's he's going to bring a lot of knowledge and a lot of passion for this console to the group. We're very excited to have him on. And uh, another member that unfortunately could not be here tonight was uh, Natalie. And uh, would you be willing to do the introductions, Kay? Yeah. Um, so Natalie... Uh, is been uh, pretty active in a lot of the gaming groups. Um, primarily, I've actually known her probably for about six months or so, maybe more, um, from an Xbox uh, modification group that I'm part of. And uh, she has joined up with the Saturn groups in full force. Uh, I think she was recently made a moderator and admin for the Junkyard. Yeah. Um, she is a very skilled modder. Uh, does a lot of uh, pretty detailed soldering work and um, very approachable as well. So wanted to have her join up with us to look to get in some guides and uh, tutorial videos about how you can mod your own Saturn rather than having to send it off to someone else. You know, get you comfortable around a soldering iron. Yes, and definitely avoid all those hot glue modders you see all over eBay that just fill your system up with it instead of solder. Hot glue mess. Just a hot mess. Yeah. Alright, so uh, now that we introduced both Peter and Natalie, let's. Uh, the rest of the guys were able to make it on, so I'd like to introduce them and let them talk a little bit. The first person I'd like to talk about is uh, Claire. Do you want to uh, introduce yourself a little bit, Claire? Sure. Um, hi, guys. I'm super excited to be here. I am from Pennsylvania, and I have a pretty specific interest in Panzer Dragoon. And that's really what drove me in recent months to become more active within the Saturn community on Facebook. And that's how I really got to know um, Dave and Pat, and now everyone else that's here with us. Yeah, um, what is your uh, your experience with the Saturn? Sorry, what got you interested in the Saturn? During the Saturn's lifetime, I was actually completely oblivious to its existence. Um, like I said, I'm from the countryside. I've lived here my whole life. And we didn't really have any stores around here in my area that so much as carried any video games. So I didn't know that the Saturn existed until the internet came to my area in the early 2000s. And I was Google searching things. And I came across this game called Nights into Dreams. And I saw that it was on the Saturn. 
and I had never in my life heard or seen of this console. No advertising on TV, you know, no print advertisements or anything like that. So that's what originally sparked my interest in getting into the system. Cool. We're going to have a couple more questions to ask Claire and, and everyone else who's in here. Let's go ahead and introduce our new video correspondent. Chaz, are you with us? I'm right here. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tell our listeners who you are? Well, everyone listening, hello. My name is Chaz. I'm the, I, I believe I'm one of the newer, I don't know if I'm the newest, but uh, when I got the, when I was offered the gig to join this podcast, I got very excited, of course, not knowing the first thing about how to connect with people and speak to them live over the internet, per se. Um, so my story goes back to the late 90s, believe it or not, when the Saturn was still alive, when it was, when it was still uh, trying to fight the good fight in the market. And I had played a handful of games over at my cousin's place. He was a se- he was a Sega consumer, so he had a Genesis, he had a Sega CD add-on. I think he may have even had a 32X at one point. And he had the Saturn later on. And I played a lot of uh, Virtua Fighter Remix and Virtua Fighter 2 over at his house. And uh, <clears throat> believe it or not, one of the games that I did get to play when it was still on the market was the sought-after Guardian Heroes, when you could still buy it on retail. I was uh, fortunate enough to play that at a video game store that uh, had TV set had TV set up in the back room where you could rent them for an hour or an hour and a half and and for like a few dollars at a time just play the games for as long as you like because you know it generated good revenue for that store which unfortunately is not there anymore it's just now a thing of, the, of my past but then uh, time moved on and uh, I like most people I went the PlayStation route. And uh, looking back at it in retrospect, it was a it was a good choice on my part because of the horrible fate, the absolute horrible campaign that the that the Saturn suffered, particularly in the here in the United States. But uh, this, the, the other game that uh, that 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 got me the most mystified, which mystified a lot of other people, I imagine, was Panzer Dragoon Saga. You know, the one mystifying game, this legendary Japanese RPG that nobody had played. Because unless you were in line to get it at Toys R Us, April 30th, 1998, if you weren't lucky enough to get a copy when it first came out, likelihood is you missed it. Because Sega only shipped so many copies, maybe around 20,000, just to cut their financial losses. So that mystified me. And I heard it from from a friend of mine on a school bus. I said, what is this game you're talking about? Uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga, what is that? He says, oh my god, you've got to play it. It's, It's effing amazing. You know he was, you know he was uh, he was quite, uh, uh, you know he was quite uh, uh, ecstatic about it, and for years it eluded me. And eventually, I said to myself around 2005, 2006, you know what? I want to start playing those games. I've never touched that console. I want to know more about it. I've got to know more about it. And I started with uh, Dragon Force, which I got as a Christmas present in 2006, and uh, <laughs> that uh, that made me quite the happy boy on Christmas morning. And then later, uh, I eventually dropped the money to buy a copy of Saga because I really, really wanted to play it. Didn't want to be without it. And at the time, emulation on the Saturn was really shoddy. So when I was about to, when I put it in my console and was about to boot it up, I said to myself, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm about to play this. This is unreal. What got me hooked was that opening intro video, all the flashing scenes, all the cut scenes and that that drumming music. That that, uh, that that accompanies the video cutscene behind it. I said to myself, "Whoa, 
I am in for something special, something that I cannot recreate from any game ever. And I was right. I was right when I played it all the way through. And the rest is pretty much history at this point. I'm sorry if I took up too much time explaining all that. No, that's great. For um, listeners who might not be aware, um, one of the reasons that we've had our eye on Chaz uh, was a fantastic tutorial that he had posted um, for playing Dragon Force. And uh, recently, you guys may have noticed, um, Chaz has been doing a playthrough of Panzer Dragon Saga with the goal of 100%ing it, correct? I did it once, I'm going to do it again. Fantastic. Um, so, uh, the last member that we have here with us tonight is Dave number two, David Hickman. Hi there. Um, I answer to Dave, David, hey you, but most people just go by Hickman, um, especially since everybody knows all of us Daves are just clones anyway, and I work with like five others, so the last name works a lot better. <laughs> um, give up our secret. <laughs> So I got into Saturn um, quite by accident. I was a Genesis kid for a while. In fact, I got my first Genesis because my mother would not let me buy a Game Boy. She thought that the tiny screen was a waste of time. So I got my Genesis. I started playing Shining Force really heavily. I loved that game. I still do. And I was over at Buddy's house, and he was just showing me this brand new game called Final Fantasy VII. And I'd never actually played any other Final Fantasies before that, so this was kind of a big deal. And my other friend comes over and goes, dude, you gotta check this out. And he sets up the Saturn, and he fires it up, and it's Shining Force 3. Here is my favorite series ever, in 3D. I was freaking out, drooling on it. We played it for hours that day. The next day I called around, found the literal last Saturn that was being sold in Roseburg in a Walmart. Drove down there. My car's brakes failed three quarters of the way, but damn it, I really wanted this. So I finished driving without brakes. Uh, Kids don't do this at home. Um, got to Walmart, bought it, and then called my dad to come pick me up because the car was broke. Uh, <laughs> did that Walmart have a garage at the time? No, no, they did not. No, that's termination. Heck, that's that right. That's termination right there. <laughs> so I get it home, I play it, I play it, I beat it. I find out that the U.S. release of Shining Force 3 was only the first disc, which, while still enjoyable, was kind of disappointing. And so I was hellbent on learning Japanese to finish the next two discs. Fast forward a few years later, I meet Kay, we're talking about Saturns, I'm like, yeah, dude, I gotta learn Japanese so I can beat this. He goes, well, we could just mod your Saturn. And, yeah, I've been in love ever since. So now I've got my very happily modded Saturn, I've got my um, English-translated discs, and everything is great. I was just gonna ask, that that was English-translated, wasn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, I, I thought so. I couldn't remember. I, didn't, I couldn't get my facts straight on that. But yeah, so, that's, that's a little bit about me, I guess. Nice. Yeah, I've known uh, Dave uh, Hickman. God, it's been over 10 years now. Um, I think it'll be 10 years this June. But yeah, it's been it's been a little while. Yeah. And where are you located, Dave? Um, we're outside of Portland, Oregon. I'm like oh, okay. uh, three blocks from Kay's house. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Scapoose? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so most of our listeners won't see or hear much uh, from Dave. You know, he's always, you know, welcome to drop in, of course. But uh, primarily, um, there's been a lot of Saturn projects that he and I have worked on over the years. And we're going to bring a lot of that to, you know, the Shiro brand. So, Seriously? After awesome. that story, I hope we do hear more from him. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dave, you want to... It's always open, but he, Dave's Put him playing. on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> well, talking, us, right? 
Talking has never been my problem, that's for sure. Um, it's more a matter of wrangling all four of my kids. Oh, I don't always yeah. have a whole lot of time for other things. I hear you. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, oh, gotcha. th- thanks for uh, showing up for this one. So next on our agenda, um, I went out and I reached out to Retrobit regarding the uh, Sega Saturn um, licensed uh, controllers that they're making. Uh, and I wanted to ask them, you know, they're putting out uh, some great looking controllers with great functionality, but um, strangely missing to me was the 3D controller uh, or any 3D controller accessories. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have had problems with your 3D controllers, but uh, we ran a tournament for Nights into Dreams uh, last year at uh, Khaled's Gamers for Kids. And one of the um, most difficult aspects of running that tournament was preparing with 3D controllers for everybody that had no issues. Um, that cable is detachable from that controller, and uh, I found uh, probably about three or four controllers that would work perfectly fine as long as the cable was good. So um, I reached out to them, and uh, they gave me a very canned response, but uh, they're still apparently working on um, getting the uh, street date for the existing controllers and hope to expand further on uh, their product line. So here's hoping that you know, Retrobit is able to maybe make some uh, new cables for those old controllers, the 3D controllers, or maybe even give us a, uh, so, like a new. So 3D my question, my question is, uh, with the with Nights in the Dreams, how many buttons does it actually require to function, like that are actually used on the controller? Well, um, Dave, go for this. Well, you got your analog stick, and then you got your shoulder bumpers, or R and L, uh, and then just a dash button. I think, yeah, because if you do, it, it's basically like left and right combos. Press them at the same time to air brake. One or the other would make him do, like, tricks and stuff like that. So I, I think it's just one of the face buttons, like the A, B, or C. They all do the same thing, dash. So uh, Retrobit is also coming out with a wireless Streamcast uh, controller and adapter. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So since it's Bluetooth as well, my thinking was that you'd be able to hook it up to that Bluetooth adapter on the Saturn and use that as a 3D controller for the games that could support it. Hmm. But Kay brought up a very interesting point last podcast where the Retrobit controller, because the Saturn only ha- Saturn has eight buttons, while the Dreamcast only has a six. But my thinking was, if the game doesn't require that many buttons, that it could potentially be playable using a Dreamcast controller in the 3D controller's place. Because, I, really uh, I mean, while we while it can't be wired, I think uh, with Bluetooth, the way that Bluetooth is now and all those retro adapters, especially with the 8-bit Doe ones, mm-hmm. I think that... Uh, I think that the Dreamcast would probably be very, uh, very useful to use as the 3D controller on the Saturn for now, of course, until they maybe idea. come out with one. Yeah, I guess that's gonna. I guess we'll see. Um, probably they're probably going to base any future releases off of sales, you know. So yeah, um, they're but, just uh, gonna yeah. have to track that. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll definitely try that out once I get the adapters once that's released. And we'll uh, we'll figure out what we can do if I'm able to connect that. So we, and I'll try to 
mm-hmm. play that with knights to see if that would work. Cool. So uh, I just want to thank all our uh, new Shiro members, everyone that talked. They brought really good insight. And uh, personally, I'm really excited to see where uh, what content they bring us, either through the uh, forums, the uh, Facebook, or uh, on video on our YouTube channel. So uh, yeah, I'm so now excited. let's uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's move on to our obscure game of the cast, which is going to be Choro Q Park. So, for those of you that don't know, um, this is a racing game, surprise, surprise, where you're this little toy car, and I guess you are in this competition of some sort, and uh, you basically get to, uh, it's kind of hard to describe, it's all in Japanese, so I don't know what's going on, but... May I? Yeah, go for it. Well, okay. Chorokyu Park, uh, subtitle Penny Racers... I don't know if anybody remembers when they were a kid, there were these little cars that you could buy at the grocery store, like three or five in a pack. You stick, you wind them up and you stick a penny in to make them go. And they would do like little wheelies and stuff like that. Well, those were made by a Japanese toy company called Takata. And Takata made a lot of toys. They also got into the video game business and decided to make um, a, a a video game based on these penny racers because they were extremely popular in Japan because uh, they're chibi and they're cute and so they were they were hugely popular in Japan so they made this game this racing game and I believe it was Next Tech that uh, was the developer and so yeah so that's what that's what this is all about but it's kind of like a it's kind of like you got the garage and then you got little events that you can race in and stuff like that and you get a driver's license I was trying to do kind of like this was pre-Gran Turismo, though, so... But it, kind of the same kind of thing. Did, did you notice that, Pat? Yeah, I really uh, I really love the, the feel of the game. I, I know that's going to be kind of weird to say, but... Yeah, I, because uh, uh, Kay didn't like the feel. That's something he, he commented on. Yeah, I mean, that, one of the things that I, I liked, actually, was the shoulder button gear shift. Yes. I know that some of the games actually didn't have that, I think... Uh, I think it was um, Need for Speed that didn't, but I, I kind of really love the the gear shifts, the way that it worked. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually like the feel of this one. I thought it was a really fun racer. And it has a really tight turning. Did, did you notice that? Like yeah, that, that's what really tight turning. Exactly. It reminded me of Mario Kart, like the the um, the Mode 7 original Mario Kart, where like it, when you're going really fast on the 100cc races you, and you were in like Bowser's Castle... You get those sharp edges, you know, and you really have to kind of like time your turn. Yeah, it's an interesting feel for sure. Yeah, I mean, and you didn't even mention the coolest feature is that you can actually have multiple cars that are in for they can use for different uh, racing situations. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you can use one car for the street racing, and once you get to the dirt road, you can actually set it to switch out to a uh, an, an off-roading type car to have better performance on that track exactly so i thought that was a really neat feature that i've never seen in any other game before 
I thought Kate, it really made the oh. game a lot of fun. Well, Cade, were you saying that you kind of felt lost in this game? So, um, I, I'm. We'll probably get this at, at some point. I mean, it's on my list for more of a technical reason than uh, a gameplay reason. But um, while I was playing it, I felt um, the racing aspect of it didn't feel like it had any speed or momentum to it during that first section. And at, that initial, uh, you know, when you, when you first start playing a game, um, unless you're already invested in series in some way, shape, or form, if that those opening 10 to 15 minutes of gameplay uh, don't grab you, it's really difficult to, for me anyway, to continue on. And I, I was, um, I, I got into actually driving the vehicles and I just didn't feel it at all. Mm-hmm. I felt no sense of motion or speed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I felt momentum in games like RC Pro-Am and I was kind of expecting a little similar kind of a feel to that or maybe like Mario Kart. I just didn't get it. I hear you. I kind of got hooked by the by the graphic or like the artistic style of it, you know? And the it's very stylized, it's very Japanese. The box art, the, you know, that's kind of what hooked me in, but I I know what you're saying. Like it took me a lot longer to get really into it um than just like 10 or 20 minutes. So um, I can understand what you mean. And also those menus are kind of weird to navigate. I had to like get on a fact, you know, so I could just kind of get right to where I needed to be. I ran into that same issue where I didn't know what I was doing. And I kept, I kept trying to select these cars over and over again. But, uh, one of the, uh, one of the, the places I found actually had a guide on how to navigate the menus. So I was going to include that into the show notes. So if you guys are having had the same issue where I did, I did where you had to you had to go through these menus and you didn't realize you had to complete these training missions to be able to actually race. Um, I'll just include that into the show notes and you guys could just use that, and it'll be a lot easier than trying to hunt down a guide. Yeah, it's very possible that Kay was actually playing the training mission. Oh yeah, I, I completely believe that. <laughs> so that's a. That was one of the biggest issues, so we'll include that into our guide. And uh, do you guys have any uh, closing notes on the game? Uh, people should burn a copy and play it, you know, or emulate it and check it out. Um, because, um, yeah, I think I think it's a good I think it's a good game that's pretty easy to recommend. It, it's got a lot of features. And it's got a lot of content in there. What do you think, yeah. Pat? Um, I think it's a really solid, uh, really solid six, seven out of ten game. Uh, it's cool. nothing really special to write home about. Uh, I did like the soundtrack, and it was pretty fun and unique. But uh, if you don't know Japanese, you're gonna be stumbling through it a ton. Mm-hmm. For me, um, the technical reason why I'm interested in this uh, in this game is that the uh, Satakore version is one of the more rare discs in the Saturn library. Uh, so what's so-, so special about that one? Just very limited print run. I gotcha. Yeah. So there so, are multiple releases of the Churro Q? Um, it, it's, uh, there's like the standard release and then the, the Saturn collection of Satakori version. Um, oh, okay. So the, uh, the normal release is all over eBay. I mean, you can pick it up for less than 25 bucks. Uh, I'm looking at like five or six different listings. And 
odd thing enough, this game has been on my um, alerts for eBay for years because of the rarity of the Satakori version. Hmm. Nice. Well, I, I hope you're able to grab that and we can get uh, another good rip of that. Yeah, I think that's uh, our obscure game of the cast. So uh, now let's uh, move on to our main topic, which is, of course, the racing games. And we're going to be burning up the tires on this one. So since there's a large amount of uh, racing games for the Saturn, more than I actually thought there would be, we're probably going to break this up into maybe a couple episodes. So, uh, yeah, why don't we uh, why don't we sort of talk about our experience with this, uh, with the uh, the genre of racing on the Saturn. So Simon over at the Saturn Junkyard, um, he he started issuing a bunch of racing game challenges in the new year, and um, I'd I'd been following along and kind of uh, en- enjoying some of these challenges. And we had uh, VR Virtual Racing. We had one for uh, there was one for Sega Rally. There was one for Sega Touring Car. So quite a few, and um, you know that led us to say, well, with all all the playing of racing games, we ought to get into doing a cast for it and covering but what we found is that there are so many racing games on the saturn like like pat said we have to cut it up and so we're going to talk about you know some of the major heavy hitters um and there were many uh saturn was definitely a racing game console i mean if it was anything a lot of great shooters a lot of great uh, rpgs but also a lot of great racing games and did we want to start with a particular one pat yeah, why don't we start off with the undisputably probably one of the uh, the best ones on the Saturn, which is of course Daytona USA. Okay, so it's not my absolute favorite, but it is a great one, and it's also the first racing game that came came out on the Saturn. It was a launch title. And um, of course, it's the the arcade port of the of the same name, Daytona USA, that came out. Uh, in arcades, and unfortunately, the first release was plagued with a few frame rate problems and drawing distance issues, which for some people kind of made it seem like that Saturn had a weakness of sorts. Yeah, I mean, I remember even back in the day, my little brother and I popping it in, and it was bittersweet. Like, we could definitely tell with the pop-in that it, it didn't perform the same way as, like, Ridge Racer on the PlayStation. Um, the graphics left a little bit to be desired but when you actually got in and started playing it and you know you discovered the drift mechanic and you the music was great and you could be a horse that was kind of cool <laughs> with a code you know and you, there was like that's the other thing there were so many like hidden codes and things you could do um you know it kind of won us over what they were able to do is capture that that same like arcade racing feel and so that came over intact. And that's one of those things that Sega, I think, did a lot is even if they had to compromise on the graphics, they were usually able to bring over the essence of a game, you know, through the, the gameplay and the feel of it. We bring the arcade experience home, is what they once said. That's right. As many people know, Daytona USA has had many incarnations with there being the regular version, the Circuit Edition, 
and the Champion Circuit Edition. The Champion Circuit Edition was originally released in the United States, and it had better frame rate and it ran a little bit better, but unfortunately it had the issue with removing the original soundtrack from the game itself, which, uh, well, some people could maybe understand it. I personally really think that really brought that version down, and personally I didn't really want to bother with it. But then I learned that uh, they released in Japan the Circuit Edition, which actually has all those fixes, and the using the Sega Rally engine on top of the choice between the alternate and the original music. And that you can actually set the music to the original tracks that you want to play it on. So uh, definitely, in my opinion, I think the, cha- the Circuit Edition, the Japanese version, has to be the definite version to get if you want to play this game. And I have to disagree with you. I... I think the only thing that I really like about the Championship Circuit Edition or Circuit Edition or Netlink is the improved draw-in and just the graphics look a little bit smoother, smoother frame rate. I'm not a fan of the Sega Rally controls on Daytona. It makes it a different game for me. It doesn't really control the same way. Um, I love Sega Rally. It is my top racing game on the Saturn, but I definitely want to, I definitely find myself playing the original more just because I like that classic Daytona feel, and I feel like they kind of threw that out. So, I mean, it, yeah, it just doesn't come over the same with the with the Sega Rally engine, personally. Would you say that? Would you say that the so the all the lagging bugginess is worth it just for the experience? You know, the thing is, when you start overtaking cars and you're making perfect drifts, you're not even looking into the distance for pop-up. You know, you're engaged. And the music is... It's just... I feel like the the first game, to me, is the closest experience to what we had in the arcades. Um, the Championship Circuit Editions is like a new beast, you know? And the cars do look a little bit better, but... Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll still take the first one for sure. What are your uh, What are your thoughts, Kay? Well, um, I've never played the Japanese Circuit Edition, but in doing uh, research for a previous episode, um, that was uh, the most networkable uh, version of the game, and that makes me very interested, you know, because it works with mm-hmm. both the Tyson cable um, for head-to-head in you know uh, in room, uh, as well as the X-band modem, which you know if uh, if that you know world comes you know back into fruition, um, that that networking for the Japanese X-Band, you know it'll open up a a whole world of online Saturn, and that's a heck of a lot cheaper to pick up if you want to you know collect only original discs than the, mm-hmm. the U.S. Netlink edition. Oh yeah. How much is the that? How oh. much is the Netlink edition uh, running for? Oh, the U.S. Netlink edition. Yeah. Um. I know that uh, in, I think, Collectors of America a week or two ago, was trying to sell a disc-only version um, where they had reproed the uh, supplement manual, and they wanted somewhere in the realm of, like, thirteen to $1,600 for it. Oh, my gosh. I know of a local person um, in, uh, you know, the Portland general area who has a copy that he had found for ten dollars at a, or ten to twenty dollars at a uh, Game Star, so like a chain of um, retro retail stores, and he's trying to sell that one for anywhere between thirteen and uh, thirteen hundred and two thousand. That is insane. Yeah, really. That's like that's like a price of a used car. K needs that disc. 
Oh god, I, and I have the supplement too. I have an original copy, of, like an original um, supplement manual, but just that disc has eluded me for years. Maybe you can ch- trade your high Saturn for it. Ha 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 ha! You're funny looking. Oh wait, <laughs> I got a no, zinger for you coming up. I know you do. I saw it in the in the text there, but um, I, I actually hate to admit this. I agree with Dave. Like. I've tried. You don't have to hate to admit it. <laughs> I, I have to hate to admit this because, so, being a fan of Rally, even though I'm terrible at that game, um, like the idea behind having like the engine ported over, you know, to improve, like that was the, their original purpose was to improve this game, and not actually having it really feel like it improved. I throw in the first Daytona, God, I. The first pictures I had with my Mega View, like my my big screen CRT, um, were with uh, Castlevania, right? So um, uh, Nocturne of the Midnight or Game of the Night, and Daytona USA. Like all my screenshots from that were from those two games. I really like Daytona USA original. I can't really say much else to it. Yeah, it's not that bad, really. I mean, it's yeah. one of those, you know. And here's the thing: why would you want? A rally engine for stock cars. Stock you know, cars. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And I know that the Japanese version also added uh, 3D pad support. I mean, which, but I just prefer the D pad anyway. I mean, I can I can rock at that game with the D pad. Um, but you know, that's that's not to say like, okay, if I, a burned copy of the Netlink one though, you know, it, I'm not going to spend 1,200 bucks on that game. But uh, a burned copy of the Netlink means I can you know play K over VoIP, you know? And so that's an added feature that definitely gives it a lot of value for me. So there are so many things that um, are in the the CCE camp as far as good things. So I think they're both great to have. But as far as just the Daytona, the original arcade Daytona experience, for me, it's the original. All right. So uh, why don't we uh, move on to our next game, which is going to be Sega Rally Championships. Speaking of, uh, speaking of the Sega Rally engine. What a what a phenomenal game! I, I dare say it's a perfect game. I can't. I have a hard time finding with the original Sega Rally Championship. I have a hard time finding any fault with it, and I don't hold graphics against it because, of course, over twenty three years on, you know, I mean, that's forgivable. But what do you think? What do you guys think, Sega Rally? I. Uh... I'm going to probably get a lot of hate for this, but I actually didn't really like it. I no? thought the handling was really strange on the cars. I thought, uh, I don't know, I wasn't really a big fan of the the gameplay of it. Uh, the fact that it defaults you to the first person really threw off my my perspective. And I, I don't know, I wasn't a fan of the handling of the cars. Hmm. But, you know, you can kick out the back and you can kind of just hold that drift around a really long turn, you know? And then when you hit dirt from asphalt, there's like a different feeling to it. And when, um, I don't know, when you overtake a car and you like bump into them and there's just like, when you go over jumps, like there's so so much dynamics in that game. Like it just, um, for me, I don't know, it just just feels so perfect, you know? And then the music is, is like excellent. Right, Kay? Yeah, I mean, as we talked about in like, the first episode, and we brought this up a couple times, this game is a classic, and I'm horrid at it, and I still enjoy this game. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't. I, I would say that I put Daytona in more often than Rally, but I feel that Rally was a better game across the board. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. I really just think it just comes down to my personal preference for what I, why I don't really care for. I'd really just take Daytona over Rally, but I mean the game isn't bad at all. That's not what I'm. I'm saying. I'm just no, saying. No, I know. That, uh, yeah. The game is just. I don't know. The the way that it feels in races just really isn't for me. But but AM3, they were such a talented team of coders, and they did this. They did the whole thing in assembly that was what i was talking about before like that raw coding talent you know they didn't have the sega graphic library yet um and they really just literally had to get all the physics the graphics everything programmed by hand basically you know knowing the system architecture and so i mean to create something like that um i played the arcade version i i actually enjoy the saturn version more and i might get flamed for that but uh wow yeah i know i mean okay aside from the cabinet you know being able to sit down in that cabinet is is of course an awesome experience but you know the saturn that that's a game that keeps giving you know i mean i've been playing over 20 years now and it's it's such a great game how does it actually stack up to the arcade version of it very well i mean i don't think I back when it came out, I don't think anybody was complaining. You know, I think everybody felt like it was probably the most faithful arcade port up to that point. And I mean, for a 3D game too, um, it exceeded expectations. Also, you know, in hindsight, twenty twenty people back then with uh, Virtua Fighter being kind of a botched release, people's expectations may have been a little low lower. So then when it came out, they were probably really really happy with how it turned out. But um, I mean. Even now, people still hold it in such high regard. And then there's all the other iterations, right? Plus, Netlink Edition. They they did the same kind of thing, adding the Japanese version, added 3D control pad support, and then and then the Netlink Edition has it too. When we know. played, did you feel much of a difference between the original Sega Rally versus the Netlink Edition? Yeah, I I realized that I didn't feel at home with it. Like I was able to kind of adjust. Um, yeah, I kind of was adjusting on the fly, you know, because it was a different physics than I'm than I was used to. Have you given it any more playtime? Try and get used no, to it. Uh, no, I if I play Sega Rally, it's it's usually just I pop in my my box copy, but. Uh, uh, that one that I was playing with you, I think, was a burned copy, just because I don't actually have the Netlink version. I don't have a retail disc. So, do you guys have any uh, any closing notes on it, or any uh, anyone else want to share any of their thoughts on it before we move on? Yeah, I'm actually in the same boat as Pat as far as uh, Sega Rally goes. <laughs> I don't know if you'd expected that, but I'm I'm actually with you on that, Pat. You hear me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What uh, What exactly do you, do you feel about it that you agree um, with me on? Basically, uh, pretty much what happened to you, or I don't know if my situation is worse or better than mine, but I remember popping it in, uh, trying uh, the same easy track several times, and I was constantly smacking into walls, constantly smacking into walls, misinterpreting turns, you know, getting outlapped, and uh, I gave it some, I gave it a, a couple more tries after that, and was getting the same result. I don't know if it's because I don't know if it's due to my play style, or if I'm doing something wrong, or the physics didn't work for me per se. I don't know exactly what the problem was, but uh, after several failed tries, I said, "Forget it. This sucks. I'm not playing this again." <laughs> yeah, you, you can only get so many so many time timeouts that you just put.
put down the game be like, okay, I think I'm going to try another one. But yeah, uh, Sega Rally, uh, just, uh, I, I could not, uh, for the life of me, uh, you know, get the hang of it and feel, feel comfortable with it and work with it on a functional level. I said, uh, no, forget it. I can't play this. I'm moving on. Hmm. That's what happened. I got you. I'm with, I definitely with you, Chaz. I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't hate racing games. I'm sort of in the middle about them. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. just, just Sega Rally compared to all the others I've played is just one of the ones that are, that are, wasn't really that fun for me. But I have another one that's definitely above it in awfulness. And that would be, uh, the initial D game for the Sega Saturn. Kandu Saisoku Densetsu. And hopefully I said that right. Densetsu means legend. I know you said that right. I gotcha. Cool. So uh, uh, this game is is awful. It's mm-hmm. the worst racing game I've ever played. And if you play this out of anything for initial D, I, I feel sorry for you because that like it ruin it. You would not like initial D if you play that game. <laughs> yeah. Like, aren't there initial D games out there that people really like and that are re- relatively popular at anime conventions and whatnot? Yeah, those are the oh, yeah. arcade games by Sega, but the only game, initial D game ever released on set, on the Saturn was this uh, Densetsu game, which... And it was not Sega <laughs> that made it. Did I say made by Sega? I meant released No, 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 no. I was, you were just saying that the good ones are by Sega, and, and they're yeah. ported by Sega, too, so that's why they're good. But this one was made for the Saturn, but not by Sega, so... Yeah, there's a there's things. a there's a trend going on with initial D games not made by Sega being complete shite, mm-hmm. and that <laughs> game is another example of that which is out of the scope. But uh, the the game basically just uh, it looks like it's sort of a side story or a non-canon game where you just do random racing. It's like the first one you actually you actually race uh, race your friend through the the tracks like oh hey let's race our AE eight sixes or please an eight five but they go through it and they do the, the race and the the handling's awful the the drift mecha- the drift mechanic just kept, had me kept running into guardrails it felt really slippery it didn't really seem like a i couldn't really get the hang of the drift mechanic and i just kept banging into walls the handling was awful on it mm-hmm. and uh, i just wasn't a fan of it and the art was just awful like if so- if you if you guys thought season 2 was bad of initial d like this art makes that look good. <laughs> so let me let me make sure I understand this, Pat. We have a Sega racing franchise, correct? Yeah. We have a Sega system, the Saturn. We get mm-hmm. one initial D game on it, and it's complete garbage. Yeah, uh, that's about right. That's about what, right. How did that equation come to be? Uh, probably because it's an anime series, and they thought Sega maybe thought that no one would give a shit about it. If they so, gave a, if they gave a shit about it in arcades, wouldn't they care about it at home? Well, I'm not thing, sure that the arcade games were out around this time. Yeah, I think the I, I believe the first ones were on the Naomi the Naomi arcade system, which is for those that don't know, or is the equivalent of the Dreamcast for arcades. So it was at home before it was in the arcades. Is that right? No, it was never at home. It was well, the, this one was released. The one that's released. The arcade ones, Naomi, was never released on Dreamcast at all. Okay, that's my confusion. See, because it's Densetsu, it's like a legend game. It's like a, there's like a story element with with like, you know, static screens, story being told. And it's It's kind of a different thing. No, it's not very good at all. 
but it's not to be confused with the arcade like the sega arcade experiences this is just kind of like a i don't know it, it's just drudgery and and it's the playstation got a version too the playstation got a version that was maybe a little bit better graphically but uh wasn't wasn't much better <laughs> there's actually a better downhill drifting game on the set which was the the toge king games right the spirits yeah yeah so, i mean yeah. not that we're going into that but i need to import some more racing games too i've been looking at a few of them just don't make it this one <laughs> yeah well thank you for the input <laughs> uh, so any uh, any final thoughts on initial d disappointment edition <laughs> it's not initial D for disappointment. disappointment. It's eternal D for disappointment, right? Initial disappointment. I'll live eternal with that. Eternal damnation. <laughs> All right. So next up on our agenda is Sega Touring Car, and we know we touched a little bit about it in our uh, news section, um, but this is Dave's baby. So take it yeah. away. Dave. Okay, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but Sega Touring Car is a game that uh, it was also another great arcade license. It was a great game in the arcade, but it was, wasn't was rally racing and it wasn't stock car racing. It was kind of a, what is touring car? It was like the, this like German touring circuit um, that happened in the, ni- the mid 90s, you know, so that was a kind of interesting thing to begin with for Sega to try to turn it into an arcade game. But anyway, it had a pretty good arcade success, and then they decided to bring it to the Saturn. But at the time that it was ported, um, they were kind of short-staffed. They had teams working on the Panzer Dragoon series. They had teams working on, um, you know, they had Sonic Team working away, and AM2 Team and AM3s working on their respective stuff. So they had to get the AM Annex team to work on this game. And arguably, you know, they did... I think they did a pretty good job. They did about as good as they could do with the the level of speed that they're trying to get out of this game uh, because it does have like this sense of speed, but it also has a huge shortcoming, which is the frame rate. This frame rate dips down sometimes so low that you can't really get a sense of cor- of corners coming up on you until they're like right up on you, and that's bad for a racing game. So it's one of those things that's almost unforgivable. Um, the game has a lot of great things about it, but that frame rate is probably the biggest shortcoming and the reason why people find it so difficult to play. And um, did, did you guys have anything you wanted to say about it? Or I just wanted to ask David uh, if I were I've been I've been hovering my hand over that game back and forth as in should I play it or should I not play it? Would you recommend it to me today, or would you hesitate? I think I don't know if you would enjoy it or not. I love most of the racers on the Saturn and the fact that it was an exclusive to the Saturn and and that it was a Sega made game. I just had to have it. And I used to play it back in the day. But the thing that I kind of discovered myself and then I shared with the guys on the junkyard is that you're allowed to tune the cars and modify them to make them, you know, suit your needs. And while the stock car that they give you is kind of like unruly and bangs into the walls a lot, you can have a lot of success by um, using certain tuning settings that I shared on the on the Saturn Junkyard. 
um, with like Simon and and the same thing goes for a few other guys over there on the junkyard. They they all reported success with those tuning settings. So I think it's ironic that they didn't just ship the game with that default setting of the cars are manageable, you know, that you can actually handle them. Because when you try to just handle the vehicle out of the box, you're just bouncing off the walls like a pinball. But uh, anyway, I, I, I don't know if I would recommend it to you. I, I would say probably emulate or burn it first and try it out and see. Um, but it's not an expensive game. All right. So I think uh, next on the list um, is Pat with uh, Need for Speed slash Nissan Overdriving GTR. Vroom, vroom. Yes, this game is a... Uh, this game was... I actually had a lot of fun with it. I know a lot of people are... A lot of people are really in the middle about this game, but I really, really enjoyed it. I love the... I love the just the fast-paced racing, the metro- Metropolis Street racing. I mean, it's sort of like... a at least in the city city ones, it, it lot, reminds me a lot of what I'd like for Initial D, that Initial D game. And that's what I was hoping with Initial D, but what I didn't get. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Essentially, you're just picking cars, just racing them, and it's a, it's a straightforward racing game. I mean, there's not really much of a story to it. Uh, personally, some of my, fierce car, my favorite cars to race with that is the Acura RSX and the, uh, the, Mo- the Mazda RX-7. Which uh, the the RX seven for initial D of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually kind of disappointed that uh, that Need for Speed the US version didn't have any Nissans, but I actually learned actually that the Japanese version that's all it has is Skylines. Right, it's kind of ironic because that's my favorite. That's my favorite car. So, what about you guys? What uh, how do you guys feel about this game? I I loved it. I mean, uh, it's a port. It came out on the 3DO first, and um, it was a little choppy. I mean, the, the graphics, the 3DO had kind of like a better filter to it. It looked a little smoother, but the frame rate was abysmal, and you didn't feel like you were actually going very fast. Um, the Saturn version runs a lot faster, and the, and its graphics are a little crisper. I, I like it a lot. It, it feels good. Nice. Uh, it's like got that cockpit view, right, with the steering wheel, too? Exactly, it's got yeah. that. So that, that was nice kind of like for, for its time. That was kind of a big deal. Yeah, and uh, what uh, what car did you drift? No, no pun intended. To racing, I I, I like the RX seven as well for the same reason. <laughs> Dang, we're like yeah. on the same wave wavelength. Same wavelength. Yep. All right. So, uh, any you guys have any thoughts on the game? I actually only ever touched the PlayStation version. I never saw it on the Saturn. I probably wouldn't blame you. I don't think it's. I think it's not rare, but it's really uncommon. I don't see it very often. About the same game though, PlayStation to Saturn. I've seen like side by sides, and it's almost you can't tell the difference. For me, um, I've never actually gotten to play the Need for Speed, and I was after uh, Overdriving because um, it's another one of those oddball, really rare variant uh, ones, and I'm just trying to collect all the rare. Uh, the rare versions of discs for the archive project. Um, one thing I've noticed in Japan is that they'll put out like a special edition of something, and it'll come with a ton of pack-ins, like you know, little toys or keychains or you know, uh, phone cards. Uh, but it'll end up being that uh, they'll push out a normal edition that doesn't have any of that extra stuff in it. And in the end, they mass-produce the special edition and very uh do very limited runs of the normal edition making the normal edition the actual rarer version to get 
and that was the case with this game. You know, I heard a lot of that with a lot of the greatest hits ones that uh, they had a lot of low print ones, but it, it's actually kind of funny because a lot of people actually avoid those versions because of that. And it makes me think uh, if there's any cases where those greatest hits or the single reprint releases are actually worth more than the original print runs. In this case, it wasn't even like a reprint. It was just that um, they, they did two versions, one with all the extra stuff and one without. And yeah, no, almost no one, I guess, bought or they didn't print out very many of the... I, I think uh, GTR had, uh, or Overdrive had the uh, keychain in its, mm. you know, like the, the more common version. And the other one, uh, like the com- the more common version has a double CD case. Mm. And the... Um, regular and i'm using my quote fingers here um the regular edition was just a single disc case no frills to it at all um, completely different serial number and it is not an easy find but even when you do find it because it's a driving game right it's not generally speaking driving games are not uh, commanding you know hundreds of dollars i think i paid 15 for a copy when it finally showed up on ebay mm-hmm Funny side note is that uh, the U.S. copy, the title is actually Road and Track Presents the Need for Speed. So it was like um, a magazine, right? That was like a, <laughs> they had to use like an endorsement from a magazine or something. I don't know. I just thought that was weird because they dropped yeah. that. It's kind of funny because now Need for Speed is a huge franchise. I know. It's or like at least EA's it was. flagship or was, yeah. Another uh, one of the few EA games that was actually good on Saturn. All right, so let's move on to uh, VR Virtual Racing, aka the worst game I've ever played in my life on the Genesis. No, oh yeah, on the Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stuck with the 32x version. That one was pretty good. You know, this game is cheap, and that's it's got that going for it. So if you're sorting on eBay low to high, it might be one of the first ones that comes up. And you think, you know, it, because it's cheap, does it suck? And I would say the answer is no. I would say this game, actually, if you can get past the fact that it's all flat-shaded polys, it yeah, has a lot. You, you can get past that. It has a lot to offer. Let me tell you, this. it has several different vehicle classes that you can race through. And you actually have to start at the go-kart level, just like you would if you were a kid and you were interested in pursuing racing as a career, you start out doing go-karting, you know, you move up to the next level and the next level and you progress and you do, you race coupes and then you race, you know, F1 cars and stuff like that. So the tracks are, are really great. I think the tracks are well-designed. The music is great. What's there. I mean, what, what is there was uh, Takanobu Mitsuyoshi composed, but, the only part that I don't like is that it only plays at the checkpoints and then it kind of like fades out and then you just you just got that hum of the engine. So it's got some things, it's got some drawbacks for sure, but I feel like the for the like 10 or 15 bucks uh, for this game, even the US, like a boxed US copy, it's worth it. How's, the, uh, how's the performance compared to all the other versions? Oh man, like um, it's the best. Uh, it, it, uh, well, here's the thing. First of all, it's Time Warner. Um, nobody wanted to port it over, but Time Warner's like, well, we want to make a racing game, so can we have this license? And um, I guess they made promises, and Sega agreed to allow them. And so 
I think they did a decent job. It performs really good compared to like the 32X version or the or the Genesis version. I mean, the Genesis was using that like SVP chip or something. So obviously, but um, the arcade version. Uh, well, it's been a long time since I've played the arcade version, but I have played that port to the PS2, like the Sega Ages version, and I like the Saturn version even better than that. It, I don't know. It just feels the Saturn version feels solid, and I've done a lot of playthroughs. Um, Dean Burgess from the Junkyard and I were going back and forth, back and forth on the arcade track, and I was in cockpit mode, and we were just shaving milliseconds off of our time, just back and forth. I and saw I that. have it was it's so fun. It's I couldn't stop playing the game literally just because it feels so good. So despite the graphics maybe not being up to par to other games, that track and and many of the other ones just feel so tight. Like you really can get into it. Yeah, I I like it a lot. All right. Uh, any other final th- any final thoughts? I'll have to take a look into it and uh, see if I would prefer it over the 32x version. It's worth noting that um, Time Warner Interactive, while they didn't do much on the Saturn, I'm you know a lot of what they did was you know, kind of considered quality, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, they did Taramaru. And- I was just thinking of that, that yep, right. and, they, and they only shipped 7,500 copies before they shut their doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other stuff they did was, uh, like, Primal Rage and Last Gladiators, but the fact that, you know, like, some these games that, that are attributed to them and are not for the most part, are not games that people are going to go and, and say they're they're seeking out, right? They're, what, two or three racing games, a pinball game, and like a Port of Primal Rage, I think they're involved in as well. All right, so the last of our normal, you know, and I'm using, again, the, the quote uh, fingers, uh, 3D-style racing games is F1 Challenge. Is this me again? This is you again. All right, this is going to be my last one, and then I got to I gotta bail, but Chaz can take over for me. You got my back? Right, I'll, I'll sit in with Pat. I need the education on this anyway. I got you. So we'll, yeah. we'll go over those. Well, anyway, so F1 Challenge. Here's another cheap game. Here's another one that's going to come up uh, down on the list, you know, if you're sorting low to high, if you're thinking of getting this game. Um, it's good. It's... It depends on your expectations. First of all, it's not uh, it's not like a boring F1 racer. It definitely has like a Sega arcade kind of style to it, so they do bring that. Um, but I popped it in recently, kind of comparing it to VR Virtual Racer. And to be honest with you, it doesn't. It's not as good as I remember it being. Um, there are some things that you can do. You can change like the the you can change the wing, the aerodynamics. You can, you know, put more gas in your vehicle or less if you want to be faster. Um, but um, the the main thing is, you know, if you even try to pit stop, it completely ruins your chance at first place. So you pretty much just have to put hard tires and just go go the what I don't know if it's like eight laps or something like that. And last until the end, but towards the end, your car just gets squirrely and everything like that. And you start floating around because your tires are pretty much shot. Um, And so at the end, it becomes a struggle to control the vehicle and keep it on the track so that you can cross that finish line in first place. If you want Um, any shot of first place, you got to go to you can't go to the pit stop, essentially. Basically, um, the dude from Classic Game Room, he did a he did a review on it. And that's the exact thing that he found with it is like there's no point in the pit stop even being there because even if you take a pit stop 
you're going to lose. So you just put put on the hard tires, you know, race through the course about six times with a car that feels semi-normal. And then by the sixth lap, your car just starts getting all squirrely and you basically have to run two more laps where you feel like you're just completely out of control. And then you and then you hope that you, you come in first. But that said, the graphics are pretty good. The The music is really good. Um, and it's super cheap. So, you know, I mean, it's not like going to break the bank. But, uh, but yeah. Wasn't there a, a interesting feature, I think, of the Japanese version? Yeah, it's called Live Information. The F, or F1 Challenge Live Information. And, and um, it's got Japanese play-by-play commentary kind of thing, you know, going on. So I guess if I was Japanese and I could understand it fluently, um, that would mean something to me. But it doesn't have the music, though. And the music, the soundtrack on this game is actually pretty good. I was actually humming it the other day when I popped it in, so... I was like, oh yeah, the music is one of the better things about the game. I yeah. shall definitely have to get it. I want to try it. I, in all honesty, I've never played it before, but now you guys got me interested with this whole, uh, whole you know, racing without a pit stop and having your wheels basically about to fall off. Yeah, it's well, it gets frustrating though too when another passing you up and you're like, I just ran this course perfectly for six laps, but now all of a sudden, like my car's just not handling for me anymore. You know, get good, son. <laughs> get good. You mentioned music, uh, David. Just before you go, are any of these games? Do any of them use Redbook Audio? Let me think. Um, yeah, so VR Virtual Racing uses Redbook Audio, which is why okay, so that's like failed potential to me. That game, like the what what is there is so good. I actually on our on our YouTube channel and on our page, I actually did a mashup, like my own little remix of the music, and put it up there with some of the other video game music that we have. And Takano Mitsuyoshi, he did a really good job on that music. And then all you get is like these little like clip sections of it. You know, you pass a checkpoint and you get like 30 seconds of music and then it fades out. And then you're like, mm, you know, and until the next checkpoint. And then it like some some new music starts playing and it is Red Book audio. Like it's not the Saturn chip, but uh, yeah, it's just like they missed the, how, why, why did they do that? And everybody I know says the same thing. Even Simon was like, God, I sure I sure wish they would play more of that awesome music. So, yeah. yeah, well, at least you can rip it from the disc. True, but I mean, again, it's re- recorded tiny little clips. You know, like it it'll be kind of like a verse and part of a chorus, and then it fades out, and you're like, "Where's the rest of the song?" You know, it, is it on the disc itself, or does it fade out anyway? I think it fades out anyway, which is why um, which is why I had to basically take it into take the tracks into Audacity and like cut together like a remix that's version. That's exactly of them. what I, I was the, thinking. Get yeah, the original I, files, recut them together. I did, I did. So take a look on our on our Shiro page. It should be either on that or on our YouTube channel. You can find it, and um, I, I did the best I could. But uh, I think it's great. Anyway, it was it was fun, you guys. It really was, and. Uh, this felt much better than the last time we attempted. And Claire and and uh, Hickman, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm so excited about the the future of what we're going to do. So it's going to be extreme, extreme. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See, see you. So when we first were compiling the list, I mean, we all, I didn't even put in any of the dishonorable mentions, right? So there's still a buttload of you know games that we're not talking about that are racers on the saturn we can move them all into another cast and you know 
We'll have to find another obscure game, but I don't think we'll have an issue with that. Oh, obscure racers? There's easy. I'm thinking Gale Racer. Um, not even having played it, just because, like, have you seen that game? I've seen it, but I haven't played it. I want I want to get a copy. It I have no idea like what a- it is, but I'll burn it and play it. If, if you buy, like, a legit version, like, the deluxe version of that game, comes with, like, a little, like, toy car or model car you can put together or something. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So it made me interested in getting that. I have, I don't have one. But anyway. All right, guys. So uh, that's about as many racing games as we can cram into this episode. But don't fret. We got a couple more racing episodes that we're going to give to you. And we'll mention a lot more games that we missed. I know that we really want to talk about a lot of the two-wheel racers. I know that K's dying to do Road Rash. And, uh, of course, the most infamous and best racer on the Sega Saturn. Sonic R. So that will be <laughs> that will be at a later date, but we'll go through it, we'll riff it, we'll play it, and uh, we'll let you know. But um, for closing notes, uh, I'd like to remind everyone that uh, Chaz is going to be having his Panzer Dragoon Saga stream on Sundays at 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct, yes. For so people yeah. like, um, tuning into that, you're actually stopping your play and playing at scheduled times each week so that people can keep tuning in and see the entire gameplay. That's correct. Yes, I made a schedule, and I'm going to stick to it. Awesome. Cool. Um, I'd also like to plug both uh, both Peter and Claire's articles that they've released, um, and you can currently view them on our po- on our Podium page. Is that correct? Yeah. I got you. So uh, definitely check those out. And uh, we also would like to plug our Facebook group, not page our group where you can join and discuss our podcast with uh, other people or you can just talk Saturn in general and it's uh, that's going to be uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Sega Saturn Shiro or just search Sega Saturn Shiro under groups and we'll approve you up there if you're you're human of course and then that way you can get into the group talk to us talk to any other group members ask questions and you know, do whatever you want that's Saturn-related. And that'll be a lot of fun. Um, Definitely. Yeah, yeah so uh, is there anything I'm missing? Uh, did we mention that my run is on the uh, Sega Saturn Shiro Facebook page? Oh, yes. Um, Chaz's run will be on our Facebook page, of course, which it always will be. And we'll share that to a, a bunch of other groups so you won't miss it. But if you don't want to miss it, make sure to like us on Facebook and... Uh, uh, make sure that you have us uh, in your notifications and you will not miss a single stream. And that's going to be at 5 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, I think that covers it. All right, so from everybody here at Sega Saturn Shiro, we wish you a good night. And you must watch Chaz's stream. You must read Peter and Claire's articles. You must join our Facebook discussion group. And most importantly, you must play Sega Saturn. Let's go! 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 Let's go!